Well, picking up where we left off last week, last week we studied the sheep and the goats. And we saw that in the last days, one of the ways that Jesus can tell if we have embraced his love, accepted him into our lives, is how we treat others who are in need. You probably heard the saying that some people are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Uh, and it's true that they're, you know, sometimes people just don't have a clue what's going on in our world. Uh, but I think the more we study truly the things of heaven, the more earthly good we're going to be challenged to become. And the more earthly good we will be challenged to do. And so as we pick up from where we left off, uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking more into what the Bible says about uh, those who are in need and then asking really practical questions. What can we as God's sheep do to help those who are in need. So our sermon title for today is Sheep in Action. And today we're talking about the poor. You know, as we begin this topic, I realize that sometimes within our church, because we are so passionate about the three angels' messages, uh, about the Sabbath, and so forth, sometimes there are certain people in our church that feel as though we don't have time to do anything else but proclaim the three angels' messages, and the Sabbath, and so forth. And we feel sometimes as though we are less obligated to help those in need because of our prophetic calling. And while, to be sure, we never want to neglect our prophetic mission, I think we're going to see in our study of Scripture this morning briefly that we are definitely called to be a part of uh, God's loving hands and his solution to those who are in need in our world. So I want to start with a couple of quotations from one of the founders of Adventism. I'm going to read you two statements from the pen of Ellen White. We're going to ask her, Ellen, what do you say? Should Adventists be engaged in helping those who are in need? Let's take a look and see what she has to say. So we'll go back here. Yes, the poor are to be relieved, the sick cared for, the sorrowing and bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. That sounds like a people that are called to be engaged in the needs of others. Would you agree? Let me show you one more. Put it up here on the screen. Read which passage? Isaiah 58. You who claim to be children of the light, especially do you read it again and again, who have felt so reluctant to inconvenience yourselves by favoring the needy. You ever feel like it's inconvenient to help others? This is talking to you and me. You whose hearts and houses are too narrow to make home a home for the homeless, read it. You who can see orphans and widows oppressed by the hand of poverty and bowed down by hard-hearted worldlings. Read it. The reason why God's people are no more spiritual-minded and have not more faith, I have been shown, is because they are narrowed up with what? Selfishness. The prophet is addressing Sabbath keepers, not sinners, not unbelievers, but those who make great pretenses to God, pretensions to godliness. 
It is not the abundance of your meetings that God accepts. It is not the numerous prayers, but the right doing, doing the right thing, and at the right time. It is to be less self-caring and more benevolent. Those words hit home pretty hard, don't they? We as a people, Sabbath-keeping people, of all people, are to be people who care for those in need. What better place to start than Isaiah 58? I have a slide, but I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles. We won't put this one on the screen. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 58 as we launch into um, a deeper dive of the topic of those who are poor, those who are needy. What is the Christian's response? As God's sheep, not his goats, as his sheep, how are we to respond to those who are in need? As a church, we love Isaiah 58, especially the last part. Because it's in the end that we get this part about the Sabbath. Amen? Amen. And we should amen that. Because it's a wonderful passage, verse 13 and 14. The importance of keeping the Sabbath, not treading it underfoot, calling it a delight. And it should be a delight. But Sister White reminds us... Read the whole chapter. And I'll let you read the whole chapter on your own later. I'm just going to focus in on verse 6 and 7 regarding true fasting. The Bible there reads, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself with your own flesh. From your own flesh. Boy, it's almost like Jesus was, was pulling the ideas from Matthew 25. And from this passage, these ideas are so clear. The purpose and the mission that we have as believers is to help those who are in need. People who are oppressed. People who are bound up by sin and wickedness. Those who are burdened by heavy burdens. We're to help remove those burdens. Those that are hungry. Those that uh, need a place to live, those that need clothing. We are called to be a people who make a difference in their lives. Not just putting our happy Sabbath smiles on at church, but people who engage in meaningful ways, impactful ways, day-to-day difference-making ways in our community. Perhaps... um, you're familiar with Jesus' first sermon. Uh, You remember that one in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to put this verse up on the screen for you. Luke chapter 4. See if we can get this on our screen. 
going to go back. Okay. So Jesus, uh, very first public message, and he reads these words, and they're actually from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Uh, we'll read them here, though, from Luke chapter 4. Notice what it says. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. By the way, scrolls of Isaiah can be very long. And they have no chapter divisions in those days, no verses. So the fact that Jesus knew where to look in Isaiah shows you he was acquainted with the scriptures. He spent time in the scriptures. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Now, some people like to only spiritualize these words uh, and say that Jesus was, was not referring to those who were in physical need. Uh, but that goes uh, counterfactual or against the facts when you look at the ministry of Jesus. Because what was he doing when he went to towns? He was healing those that were sick. He was multiplying bread for those that were hungry. He was meeting the practical, tangible needs of those who were in need. Jesus taught us that we need to care for the needs of others. Ancient tradition says that the first book of the Bible that was written was the book of Job. Jesus wasn't just introducing a new concept of helping those in need. He was building upon a concept well-founded in the Old Testament. I'll put a verse here on the screen from the book of Job. Job 29. Because, now this is Job speaking. Perhaps the first book written of the Old Testament. Job, this righteous guy, notice what he did. It says, because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them, the one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. Boy, it sounds like we could, we could rename our Adventist Community Service Center Job instead of Dorcas. Because he was doing the work of Dorcas. He was helping those who were in need. Righteous Job cared for those who were less fortunate. You can find these instructions in the foundation of our scriptures, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Notice this from Leviticus. Practical instructions for God's people then that still apply to us today. Notice this. Leviticus 25. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, cast them to the side. Criticize them. <laughs> no. What does it say? It says, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger. Oh, okay, so cast them aside and criticize them. No. Help them so that they can continue to live among you. Do not take any interest or profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. The concept of helping people in need 
uh, dare I say, some sort of a welfare system come from Scripture. And we can argue and debate about how our current structures uh, are good or bad or, or whatever, but the idea of the community as a whole finding ways to support those who are in need is 100% biblical. In our church, we've got something called the Deacon's Fund. Um, you've given to it on a number of occasions, many of you. Uh, that fund is there for when we are aware of, of people in our own church family, um, let alone our community. Uh, but when we're aware of people in our church family that have needs, that, that fund is there. Um, perhaps some of you have benefited from it. Or maybe some of you today, members of our church are watching saying, hey, I have some real needs. This is news to me. Well, get in touch with me. Well, we want to find a way to support you through this difficult time. Difficult time. Uh, briefly, we go to the book of Psalms. show you a couple more verses here. Psalm 41. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. What about Proverbs? Proverbs 19. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. It's a good investment to give to others. God takes notice. Not that you're going to become rich, but God notices what you're doing. When we studied the book of James, we saw very clearly practical Christianity helping those in need. Not just saying, hey, God bless you, brother, but doing something to help those who have legitimate needs. Now, I realize sometimes we get tired of helping because we have been fooled, conned, scammed by people in the past. And we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we seek to help people. We don't want to enable people to continue on in a lifestyle of addiction or enable them to be freeloaders of our society. But I tell you what, there are a whole lot more people that are not like that. And if we become calloused because of the bad apples, the bad actors in our society, we are going to neglect to help a whole lot of people who are not like that. And so we want to let the scriptures keep our heart tender towards those who have needs in our society. And you know what? We can even pity the person who is the scam artist. Pity them that they are stuck in this lifestyle of lies and using people in this way. They need Jesus too, don't they? One more verse here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Well, that really connects to Matthew 25, doesn't it? Because we said the essence there is not this righteousness by works, salvation by works thing. It's has the love of Jesus so permeated that your, your heart, that when you see people in need, you can't help but feel compassion and act upon your compassion. You know, it, it, it's easy to recognize the needs in our world. Not always easy to know what to do, if we're honest. Jesus said, the poor are always going to be with you. And that's true. Statistics say that about one quarter of our world is poor. 1.3 billion people on our planet don't have access to even a toilet. 
You know, if you think you're poor, if you have a toilet, you're doing better than many people in our world. Poverty in America looks very different than poverty in rural Ethiopia, for example. Average income uh, for year adjusted for buying power is about $1,000 in Ethiopia. Their real income is, at least in 2008, was closer to $160, but they can buy a little bit more. So imagine trying to survive in America on $1,000 a year. Equivalency. We're very blessed. Even many of our homeless people in America have access to cell phones. That's an important tool and, and something that many people around the world don't have. 900 million people never have the opportunity to be educated. No school. Kids, if you think school's boring, be thankful that you have a school. And we have a really good school here. 22,000 kids die every day as a consequence of being poor. Whether it's from malnutrition, lack of access to health care, etc. Around the world, 22,000 kids didn't wake up today simply because they were born in a very impoverished situation. You don't have to find, uh, look around to the third world countries, though, to find just immense needs. You recognize it. Our community is filled with all sorts uh, of crazy needs. Uh, 200,000 kids, it's been estimated on any given day in America, don't have a place that they call home. Here in just California, we have about 150,000 homeless people. I was looking at some statistics, and I'll put them on our, our Facebook page for Parkwood uh, later today, but those who are homeless here in Modesto, it's not like they were bussed in from other places. Sometimes we might think that. Uh, most of the people who are homeless in Modesto grew up in Modesto. And there are a lot of reasons for why people are homeless. Sure, there are some, uh, a good portion, it could be a quarter of those who are homeless or so, statistics vary, uh, who are homeless because of substance abuse and addiction. But that's no reason for us not to want to reach out in compassion, even though their mistakes have gotten them to where they are. I mean, how many of us have lived mistake-free lives? All of us have needed help at one point or another. Most of the people are on the streets because of finances. They couldn't afford rent anymore. Um, or they lost their job. Uh, they were evicted. Uh, statistics, no matter where you look, tend to bear this out. The, the biggest piece of the pie is simply people couldn't afford it anymore. Now, I know that there's that small percentage of people who are on the streets because that's their lifestyle and they like it, uh, but that's a, small, a, a very small portion. I watched a, kind of a troubling sermon or part of a sermon by a pastor who was just yelling and, and enraged almost uh, against homeless people. Uh, because there were people in his community that were abusing the systems that were in place. Uh, and well-meaning people were helping perpetuate some of these things. But that's not the attitude that we're to have. Even for those that are stuck in their situation because of their own choices, God has compassion on them. Because you and I who may have homes, have you ever committed the same sin more than once? 
more than a hundred times, more than a thousand times. God looks down on us, and, and maybe the angels, maybe some of them are saying, God, why are you still helping them? They're just doing the same thing over and over again. The same mistake. God, cut off your help. God says, no, there's still hope for this one. There's still an opportunity for this one to choose again, to choose differently. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So many reasons for people to be in the situation that they are in. You know, many people are just one accident, one difficult situation, one bit of bad luck, as it were, from being on the streets. You get one serious injury, can't work, can't make rent, difficult situation. A lot of people are on the streets, as I was looking through statistics this week, because of divorce, uh, family separation. Many women are on the streets because of the abuse of their partner. They finally said, okay, living without a home will be safer and better than living in that um, violent situation. Tragic numbers coming out of people who were surveyed, but uh, those uh, women who are on the streets, 92% of them, one statistic I read, uh, 92% of homeless women have experienced severe physical or sexual abuse at some point in their lives. We need to be very careful when we judge the situations of other people. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know why there may be substance abuse issues. Maybe they're trying to, to medicate the pain from what was done to them at no fault of their own. So many reasons. Many young people um, are on the streets because they were honest with their parents about who they feel they are, um, about their sexual orientation, and the family turned their back on them. Uh, high percentages of LGBTQ young people, um, when you look at demographics, uh, a number of them, high percentages of people find themselves without family or people to turn to and they find themselves on the streets. I'll be honest, there's no silver bullet for trying to address poverty or homelessness or these kinds of issues. Um, working for change is very difficult. On the one hand, we need structural changes. We need, th we need big picture thinkers, people that can can help address the, the systemic issues leading to rent being too high, wages uh, inequality, um, mental health issues, drug abuse issues. We need that side of it to help with this problem. But we also need help for the immediate needs, people who are cold tonight, people who are going to bed without a meal tonight, people who don't have access to adequate sanitation um, opportunities. We can't, it's, not a, it's not a this or that. It's we need both of these things. So what do we do? Well, one thing we could do is just throw our hands up and say, there's poor people everywhere. 
it's too big of a problem, I can't handle it. And we go back to living in our nice homes. Sarah and I live in a, an apartment. It's not that big, but man, we have, we have two bathrooms in our apartment. What a luxury we have. We don't have a garage. We kind of complain about that sometimes. Oh, I wish we had a garage. We have two cars. We are immensely blessed. We are so rich and increased with goods. We all are so blessed. So what do we do? Well, perhaps one of the first things you could do is just to start to learn more. Educate yourselves about the issues in your community. We may not all always agree on, on the solutions or this or that, but start to learn about what's going on. In our own church, Sam and Ken are a great resource, uh, having let out in our homeless ministries and really made some connections with some of the people in our town. Uh, they can tell you about the shower shuttle. It's awesome. I think they have two of them now that go around town and help people who haven't had a shower in a long time get a shower. Uh, to help people wash their clothes that need their clothes to be washed. You know, one of the things I've learned that people long for is just clean socks. You know, if we're, we're trying to be really practical in this sermon series. If you can do nothing else, you can go to Walmart, dollar store, buy some clean socks, keep them in your car. And when you see somebody in need, if you feel so impressed, give them a pair of clean socks. Give them a pack of clean socks. Buy some of those uh, soft granola bars, not the crunchy ones. It'd be hard for people with, with uh, few teeth, no teeth, to chew on those. Get some of the soft ones. Keep them in your car. Maybe you don't feel comfortable handing out money to people. I don't typically feel comfortable doing that. But you can always hand somebody a granola bar that's soft and easy to consume. Some people choose to go to uh, fast food restaurants and sometimes you can buy coupons for a burger or a burrito or something like that. Something that can give someone a, a full belly, a warm belly, uh, just basic calories to get them through another night, another day. What can we do? Learn about the needs in your community. Allow the Holy Spirit to start to work and soften your heart. I'll admit, there are, there are a lot of problems. We can't fix them all, but maybe God can use you to help one person in a big or a small way. You know, globally, we have some amazing institutions that are working to combat disasters and need and poverty and homelessness. I love ADRA. ADRA is such an amazing... Um, I'm so proud that our church has this ministry ADRA, A-D-R-A. What's it stand for? Adventist Development. It's not disaster. Adventist Development and Relief Agency. Because not only do they come in when there's been a big natural disaster to help out, they try to provide sustainable solutions. I was given a goat for my birthday. A goat. I'm not kidding you. I was given a goat, but not me. I was given vicariously a goat that will go for $40, you can give a goat to a needy family overseas. What they do is, ADRA has this program. They, they give two goats, male and a female, to a family. They train them on how to keep them, how to, how to raise them, how to breed them, how to do all these things. And now this family has a, a small business. And every year, those goats 
They can mate and provide offspring. They can sell the offspring. These are sustainable things to help people who are living in dirt poverty find a way to sustain themselves and help their community. ADRA has this wonderful gift catalog. You can, you can look through it. They have all sorts of projects, well projects, uh, all sorts of things. That's one opportunity. Uh, that's one thing that you can check out. Or our Adventist Community Services. We have that yearly offering that goes to help support the, the, the services of our church in our community. Um, we're not doing a lot right now with, with everything that's going on with our Dorcas, our Adventist Community Services, but we plan on doing things. If you want to volunteer, it doesn't cost you anything. You can volunteer, and we're going to get you plugged in. You know, on the back of the, the adult uh, quarterly, there's what we call the 13th Sabbath offering. I'm going to put a slide here on the screen. I'll show this to you. This is for this quarter, and you'll see three places that are highlighted. Uh, three projects. There's a construction project uh, in Guinea of a K-12 through school, and that's going to benefit the whole community. Uh, there's an open elementary school, opening an elementary school and an urban center of influence in Liberia. And project number three is to establish a medical center in Nigeria. These are projects that you could start saving for. You have change rattling around in your car, Every little bit counts. Overseas, our money goes a lot further than it does um, here. Those little uh, quarters and, and dollars and, and so forth. You could start saving for these projects to make a difference. Again, I'm just giving you ideas. You, you probably won't be able to do all these things, but start to think, how can I practically apply the words of Scripture in my life? I want to be a sheep. Bad, 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 as the song goes. And being a sheep means loving those in need. Asking Jesus to lead you to those who are in need. You know, one of the simplest things that you can do, and this doesn't cost you anything, is when you see somebody who's homeless, you can look at them and smile, say hi, recognize them as an individual. These are people who often just get looked over in society. Treat them with the dignity uh, that all human beings deserve. And if opportunity lends itself and you feel uh, like you're able to, you could just have a conversation. Ask them about their life. Learn about them. Let's get practical about being the hands and feet eyes and ears of Jesus. Or if you have some idea of some project that you want to do, talk to me. Maybe our church can help support this project to impact people in our local area. You know, I learned about an awesome um, pathway for the homeless people in our community to, to find their way back up on their feet again. It's called the, the Modesto Downtown Streets Team. And the downtown streets team model has been used in other cities. And in a moment, I'm going to show you a video from another area. But this is, I got exciting news. This year, they're starting a second team here in Modesto. Teams are 25 people. They spend four hours a day volunteering their time to help clean up. Just clean up the streets. Uh, they, they're taken around. They're given equipment. They have t-shirts. 
Um, but then, also as a part of that, they get a, a little stipend, something to help, like a gift card to help them with their basic needs for that day. And they're also given access to opportunities for counseling, for job training. And it is so cool, the people that have been housed out of this, they have an amazing success rate. People getting off the streets, into houses, into jobs. Um, and it's a really awesome model that's working. There are solutions out there, and we can support them if we want to. So let's take a look at this video before we wrap up. I'm living in my truck, and I've got two kids in this town. I don't want them to know that. I just want to make sure that they don't wind up like I did. So I lost my job. I lost my home. I had been aware of homelessness, but this is a new face of homelessness, OK? Because this could happen to anybody. We have a lot of homeless people out here. And I think that's where Street Team comes in to give you an opportunity, regardless of age, creed, or color. It's like one big family. And I, you know, I think it just will help each other like that. It's a blessing. They have homeless people and people on the verge of homeless. It's just, to me, I believe it's, it's anybody that they'll help. I had nothing when I came here but my truck. Eventually, I'll lose my lungs and I'll pass away. And the downtown streets team is giving me a chance to do it in a home, not out on the streets. It just got hideous, you know what I mean? And I just didn't know what else to do, so I, I finally turned to DST and gave them a try, and here I am a year later. DST is not a shelter-based form program, but it helps you with finding shelter. Now, what uh, what we do, we maintain the streets, and we'll walk around town and pick up cigarette butts, you know, trash, you know, just to keep the city looking nice. That's a job. I mean, I like it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy every moment of waking up. It was just like that commercial, you know, the best part of waking up is folders in your cup. That's what I felt about DST, because it was like it was a passion that I have to do this, not only for my team members, but for myself, too. This was the perfect setting to get back into work. There's still somebody up here at the street team willing to reach out and give you a helping hand. Not a handout, but a helping hand. And with both hands. If you need both hands, we'll give you both hands. Hey, we'll lift you up. DST is a fun place to work for. They offer great community services. Um, if they don't have the liable resources, they know where to get it from. They got, they got counselors and social workers, and they got everything for you, you know? Whatever you need or something like that, you go to them, and they will try to help you get it. They have patients. They will help you find jobs, clothing. You name it, they'll find a way to do it. I mean, they just pull for you, they punch for you, they haul for you, they yell for you, they just look out for one another. We'll be walking. Hey, Gloria, are you okay? Come on, come on, girl. And I joined DST, and um, ever since then, my life has done nothing but change. If you don't make it the first time, you can come back again. If you don't make it the second time, you can come back the third time. They never give up on you. So if you don't give up on yourself, the sky's the limit. I got my confidence back, and I started my uh, business up again, and I'm able to talk to business owners now I, like, like they're nothing. Now I got a job and uh, I'm doing my own thing and next thing is getting a car. That's the next thing. <laughs> See, if you allow it, it will change your life around for the better. That's what DST will do for you. <laughs>
Progress is possible. Making a difference that's sustainable is possible. I've shared a lot of ideas today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you in your own heart. But today, just say, God, I'm open. Make me aware of how I can help people in our church family, in our community, wherever you may be listening from and watching from today. I want to close uh, with a prayer, but before I do that, I want to read you the words. Notice I said read. I'm not going to sing you these words. <laughs> I'm holding a hymnal. Let your heart be broken. Listen to these words. An amazing poem here. Let your heart be broken for a world in need. Feed the mouths that hunger. Soothe the words. Soothe the wounds that bleed. Give a cup of water and a loaf of bread. Be the hands of Jesus serving in his stead. Here on earth applying principles of love, visible expression, God still rules above. Living illustration of the living word to the minds of all who've never seen or heard. Blessed to be a blessing, privileged to care, challenged by the need apparent everywhere. Where mankind is wanting, fill the vacant place. Be the means through which the Lord reveals his grace. Add to your believing deeds that prove it true. Knowing Christ as Savior, make him master too. Follow in his footsteps. Go where he has trod. In the world's great trouble, risk yourself for God. Let your heart be tender and your vision clear. See mankind as God sees, serve him far and near. Let your heart be broken by a brother's pain. Share your rich resources, give and give again. Let's pray. Dear God, when you saw us in our great need, I'm so thankful you didn't close up your heart to me, to us. So Lord, as we consider how we might physically make a difference for those who are in need, I pray that you'll give us wisdom. Not everybody's called to the same mission. Not everybody is called to the same methods. But Lord, we're all called to make a difference in some way. Give us wisdom and discernment. We have limited resources, limited time. But Father, I pray you'll lead us to those who need us this week. And give us joy as we serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath. And we'll see you soon.